Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He played Rum Tum Tugger in the fifth U.S. national tour. So welcome, Chris Stevens, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I always enjoy talking to anyone who plays Tugger because I think it's one of the more interesting and exciting characters for sure in the show. So let's start because I know you've actually played Tugger not just on tour, but also in other productions. Let's start with your history of cats prior to tour. Um, How much did you know about it? Uh, So I truly didn't really know the story. I think I've seen... um, in middle school, I remember we had two music teachers and when we were in the one music teacher's uh, class, if she was ever out, for whatever reason, every time the sub was in, we always had to watch Cats. And you could never get through the full thing, obviously, in the 45, 50 minute period that we were there. Um, but I'll never forget it. Mrs. Case, every time she was sick, we watched Cats. We watched Cats. And I just remember, like, I remember seeing Tugger. I didn't think much of it because truly I was just starting to get into theater in middle school. It wasn't like a career goal yet. Um, But I was just like, what is this? What is he? Who is this man that's going around humping everything? Like it is what it is. Uh, And then prior to that, I guess like didn't really touch it during high school. And in college, I had a couple friends. I went to uh, DeSales University up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, near Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, um, a couple of my like theater people were very much Cats fans, but I just didn't get it. And I remember uh, one time we went to our friend's house and chose to watch it. And I sat there completely sober, not not knowing what I was watching. So, and so okay. uh, I didn't have didn't have much experience prior to the uh, audition. I yeah. love it. So this is this is 1998 movie, I'm assuming, and you're yeah, yeah at PBS. So you have watched it as I want to interview your teacher now. I want to I want to talk to Miss Case. I think you said like I want to know who who yeah. chooses to come in as a substitute. Just like hey, we're going to watch Cats to the, for, the, I know. for this week. It was we always dreaded when she was out, and I hate to say it, she always had like a lot of health issues going on. So we watched it often, but never made it through the full production. Never through. I, you know, it's a that has to be a wild decision for a middle school substitute teacher. It, like, was, it was bizarre for sure. <laughs> So, okay. And then what, how about how old were you when you saw it the, the time you like, sat down and watched it? 
Uh, so I was probably, I'm going to say it was college. I was probably. Oh, college. Okay. Okay. Some, so college yeah, somewhere be- When I fully watched the full thing through, I was probably somewhere between 20 and 21. And you watched it yeah. sober in college. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I was sober, but yes, I yeah, watched okay. it at, at a group movie night. <laughs> okay. And so you probably had a better, at least grasping of it then than middle school, I would assume, right? You I know, started, I, I started to see, well, I, I truly, I will tell you even when I got into it, I truly didn't understand the whole through line. I was like, I don't understand what I'm watching. So I just started to look at each cat as like their own story. And I was like, okay, well that's an interesting song. That's an interesting cat. And, um, that's a weird cat you know it just became very much like focus on the music um and that became enjoyable for me you know so let's let's dive right into this because it's my favorite part of of discussing the show is the through line that that doesn't exist basically it's Mm -hmm. loose it's very loose very loose what were you told in the fifth tour i mean you're you're going on tour you're getting the, the the backstory what through line did they tell you and then what cat by cat did you kind of pick up on along the way you know I, so this was back in 2011 2012 that i was we would have been rehearsing in uh, october of 2011 and to be honest richard stafford who was our director choreographer and phenomenal uh, i gotta remember i was i was new i was one of the new people half the cast was returning i was just super overwhelmed because i was i wasn't even a dancer you know what i mean like i i remember on it was a sunday night I was here actually in my childhood bedroom where I'm at right now. And I called my high school director and I said, Hey, Kath is having an open call tomorrow in New York. I said, they're only looking for two roles. I think they were looking for a monkey strap, tugger and a male vocal swing. And I said, should I go? I said, I don't know anything really about the show. I don't know the music well. And she said to me, she was Chris Stevens. Sutton Foster was in the ensemble of Thoroughly Modern Billy, and she she was the understudy. Overnight, she became Sutton Foster, the Tony Award winner. I was like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> Race to the train, get up there. I get to the audition. I'll never forget this. It was uh, Richard and our associate, Jonathan. Uh, and then I believe Kristen Blodgett was also in the room that day. And so we did a dance. And I remember I kept getting called out because very much you need to have the Paul rather than I'm very much jazz hand person, very yeah. big, very loud. And they kept, I don't want to say slapping my hand, but they would come around and tap it and be like, Paul, Paul. And so that was, that was a little bit of an intro into, oh, they really want us to be a cat. Turns out, like, I think the, the audition was Monday. I had a call back Tuesday. And I want to say I got the call on Thursday that I got it. And that was sometime in June. It was right after I had graduated. And then October, we're rehearsing. And I remember Richard was telling us so much, but to be honest, a lot of it was in one year, out the other, because I was so focused and overwhelmed with what was being thrown at me physically. Um, I went to DeSales. We were a BA program, not a BFA. So the dance was like my weakest of the triple threat. So I really wanted to pay attention to what I physically had to be doing. So I, I can be honest and say, as far as the through line went, he may, he may have said some things, but the base that I got was we're a tribe. There's this underlying story of redemption for Grizabella. And that's what I continued to hold on to. I didn't really understand, you know, the Jellicle ball, everyone's coming, everyone's invited. And I guess uh, the biggest part was like, we're all trying to prove why we're worthy of being the cat that gets a new life. Um, But then I just, you know, my thing, when people were coming to see the show, I'd be like, just focus on each cat and listen to their story. Know that this is all based off poems. And then there's Grizabella. (laughs) That's what I would tell my friends and family. Then there's memory. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is interesting to hear. I, I, the, the, the dance, the song, like as someone who's not like, not a dancer, not a singer, not, I'm, I'm a zero threat of your triple threat. Like I, I have none of the, <laughs> none of the abilities. And so all of that is foreign to me. So the, the part I've grasped onto is a story, but it yeah. is interesting to hear you say, it's like, yeah, you probably were given a lot more of the backstory, but at that moment in time, you're just like, who cares? I just got to make sure I'm dancing. Correct. I was like, I just have a job to do and I want to do it well. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, I was just out of school too. So I was so excited to be working on a national tour of a long running musical. And it was just, I remember every day I would go in and before I could even get into the rehearsal room, I was just sweating because I was, so I'm very hard on myself and I'm a perfectionist, but I wanted it to be what they wanted. And I got a lot of notes and I kept practicing and practicing. And, you know, they say you have to go home and practice your job too during rehearsal. And I did every night until I was like ready to go to bed. I think I'd allow myself once a week to go out to dinner with a friend or go see a show. Um, Cause we rehearsed in New York and that was my first month living in New York. And I was like, I want to enjoy the city, but I also was so overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's interesting to hear you say that in the like, wanting to almost be a perfectionist in a character that really kind of thrives off of almost imperfection. Like it is, yeah. It, Tugger is a lot more free willed and just like crotched us here and there. And how are you going to like, so how did you balance so, that? Like the, here's my dance number, but also here's a little bit of the like creativity I probably need to have with this particular character. Yeah. I would say um, I struggled a lot with that and I got, plenty of notes all through tour. And then even when I went and did the production after the tour with Richard again, you know, I knew that Tugger had to be cool. And I'm a, I, I present confidence. I am a very confident person. I'm six, three. So like, I just kind of walk in and a lot of people always look my way just because my height. Um, so while I can pretend to be confident inside, I'm freaking out. And that's like, right. And hearing you just say that, I was like, I almost wish I could go back and get another turn at Tugger because what I know now and how I feel in my skin now, like that little 22 year old was panicked and just could have, he could have brought a lot more to it. Um, but at the time he was doing everything he knew, um, you know, and there was constantly the note of just lay into the hips more, relax more. And I was so much about like, Oh, you know, you said this pose, so my arms will be here at all times. And, um, I just wish I would have taken the pressure off because truly Tugger is the one cat that can get away with it. Yeah, that's that's kind of uh, fascinating to hear, and it's it is part of it's probably just time, like it's early in your career, mm -hmm. or like the beginning of your career very, at that point, very beginning, yep. and and trying to 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 play all of that. How did you how did you internalize Tugger's backstory? Because like, I mean, I know if you didn't follow the through line as much, you at least knew Tugger's persona. So what was yeah. how did you play that? Well, so I remember further into the process, I want to say probably like week two or three, Richard and I sat down. He's just like, you know, I want you to really latch on to like Tugger shows up when you least expect him. He comes in, he's the fun, he is the chaos, yet he thinks he is the world. He thinks, you know, no one's in Tugger's world besides Tugger. Um, and if he can get Bombay Arena or he can attract the ladies or flirt and do whatever, um, that's okay. And, you know, there's even a little bit of like sexual ambiguity with Tugger because he's just that flirtation and pulls it all, all over with um, all the cats. He's constantly playing uh, pranks which could be misconceived as flirtation and um yet he's very sexual and direct with bomb body arena um and yet there was also something i remember too about something was brought up and i i never went and researched to find out if it was actually true but that 
Tugger and Monkestrap and McCavity were all the sons of um, Old Deuteronomy. And they were all competing. And like Tugger was very much that middle syndrome child that just needed to impress everybody. Monkestrap was the leader. And McCavity was like the youngest who disowned the family and went off and, you know, tried to rape Demeter and all this stuff. So I, I didn't ever want to get too serious with Tugger. I wanted to keep him light. I wanted to keep him fun. Um, I was told that my Tugger gyrated more than any other Tugger in the past. So I really <laughs> did embrace, I really embraced the hips. You know, he wears that big fur jacket and the chains. And plus I had the coolest collar with all the spikes and the big T. It kind of was like, you put that specialty Tugger outfit on and the, it just became me. It was very much I, the Mick Jagger, Elvis Presley rock star. Um, and that took a minute to embrace because um, I, I pride myself on kind of being the guy next door, very gentlemanly. And so I really had to let loose of all that. And um, it became fun. And I kind of just started in my everyday life being a little more loose rather than so proper and watching my posture all the time. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has to be, especially at that point in your life. Like it is, yeah, it's, it's early in the career. It's at that point where you can kind of bring some of that. Um, yeah. Newfound, and I really, I really, yeah. I really started to um, kind of go with that. Like he's unpredictable. You never know where he's going to show up. So while the cast knew where I was entering from, it might've been a beat earlier. It might've been a beat after it might've been a little sudden thing or, you know, he's playing a little prank or I hit someone's tail and, you know, they might've gotten a little thrown off and not to say I was playing games, but I really wanted to exude that he was, I was never going to give the same performance, you know? Yeah. And, and you, it, it seems like I've, I've thought like if I, if you play a character, like if I get to ever do the show, which I would never because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, physically and vocally incapable of doing all of that. Never stuff. say never. I, I never thought I would do cats and it was my first job. So, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I have zero musical talent. Um, I, I could, I could hopefully write a show one day that that would be my, that'd be probably my better career, but Tugger seems like it'd be the most fun to play by a mile just because of that freedom and just the ability to just kind of go, go have fun and do your own thing and mm -hmm. kind of just, flirt with everyone and, and be a little unpredictable. I, I definitely, I loved and felt honored to be able to have so much freedom in the um, reins of the show that obviously we had to keep a certain confinement on, but being able to uh, be a little more free as far as, you know, and he does dance, but he's not dancing as much as the other cats. And um, so there's a lot of running around and popping up on the different, you know, junkyard items. And that became a lot of fun and a very great workout <laughs> yeah yes that was that was a huge takeaway when i watched the show was all of the dance numbers i was like this looks hard like incredibly it, difficult there was there was never an easy show truthfully and just when you thought you had it down something else got more difficult or we were in colorado and the elevations off or you know you're in florida and the air conditioner it just became it was never easy. And I swear, you know, after the number, he would do the Rumps and Tugger and then Grizabella comes out um, before we're marked the CAC and Tugger gets to run off. And I swear every day I would get off and I thank God I had this little station at the makeup table. Um, and I would go sit there and just sit with the fan for, I think I was off till Old Deuteronomy at that point. And it's I, the entire break, I'm just panting because it's, it's not, you know, and he also a lot of times goes down to the audience. So again, you're doing the choreography, you're hitting your mark. But then you're running all over, going down in the audience, you're dancing with different people. So you're trying to keep the energy up. Plus, 
like like we try to uh, really hold on to hold into is that unpredictability is like we just got done doing this tap dance and now this guy's can come out and hump everything and then he disappears and comes back in in 15 minutes you know what i mean it's you try to you try to get playful with it but that also takes energy so yeah i will say i i started to with the energetic moments i tried to pull back as much as i could without you know i still wanted everyone to have a different experience and make everyone excited to be in the audience but it was definitely like it became a mind thing of like where can i pull back tonight how can i go forward you know yeah it's especially on tour it's got to be a little bit of managing you know it's like it's it's the eight shows a week in travel and i'm assuming i think in the fifth you know i in the fifth u.s tour i'm sure you had some single days and some like couple real quick uh stuff which is which is already demanding in itself let alone doing what two hours and 45 minutes of 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 a workout (laughs) each night with it yeah i was um that was the biggest shock, I think. Uh, not only like, you know, rehearsal, the rehearsal process was awesome. We were right in New York City. I, I Every time I walk into the same room that we auditioned, you know, because there's still auditions happening in those places we rehearsed. Anytime I walk in the room where Cats rehearsed, I immediately just get chills because I'm like, it was such a special time. It was such a cool thing. I was also 230 pounds when I graduated college. And by the time I ended that tour, which I think we only actually toured for nine and a half months, um, I was down to 184. And that was, that's, I was not, I didn't look healthy, don't get me wrong, but it was just that physical. Um, and I will say it was the only show where we would go out after the show and I could eat whatever I wanted because I knew it was going to come off the next day. Yet I will tell you, I didn't want to work out. Like I'm very much a physical person now. I like to work out six times a week, but I would never go to the gym during cats because it just took too much energy on top of the choreography. Wow. So it sounds like that's what I need to do. The cat's diet is... Get on the cat's diet. Well, it's on to awesome. Like literally you could go out at you know midnight and eat three burgers and it would never show up the next <laughs> yeah. day because your metabolism was just burning. But would... the hardest thing, I, I'm sorry, I was going to tell you that the hardest thing that took me shocked by you get used to was the, what you just said about the schedule is some nights were there for one, one show and then we're off to another city. Some weeks we're doing five one-nighters in a week. So on this tour, and I was new to negotiating, I was new to all this stuff, but you have to remember I'm 6'3". I was sharing... Um, uh, a seat with one of our uh, females, and so there's the the whole conversation of who's going to sleep on the chairs and who's going to sleep on the floor. And so I started out as a chair sleeper, and then quickly became a floor sleeper because I just needed the extra space. Wow. So you're sleeping on the bus. It was you know you, you you the cast never traveled through the night. We'd always stay in a hotel, but you'd be up at five or six a.m. and get on the bus and travel all day into your show. So like we wouldn't even get to the hotel, we'd go right to the venue do sound check, do warm up, get in makeup, do the show, and then get to the hotel. There were some really long days, but we were fortunate to have a really incredible cast. And I will tell you, out of any show I've ever done, I am still closest with the people that were on the road in cast. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I the thing I was curious about is I'd love to, and I don't know how, how easy it'd be to do with the costumes, but I'd love to have someone with like a uh, some type of fitness tracker and see like calorie mm-hmm. burn during during yeah. the show because it has to be you know like a like a triathlon ish type of thing for that many hours of that much strenuous activity. Absolutely, there was actually I remember there was a there was this one show or one day that we had three we were non union so they're allowed to do this unfortunately, um, but they were three shows in one day. I remember it was like an eleven o'clock. I want to think I think it was a eleven o'clock. A, I think it was 10.30, 10.30 and then at two o'clock and then an eight o'clock. And we had the option 
to do all three. Most of the cast chose to call out for one show and then they would alter and see who needed what. And I did, I took one of those shows because I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to kill myself here. I think I got to do, I had to do the morning show and I had to do the evening show. So I had the matinee off and, um, there was one person that did all three that was playing company and then all of the swings. I mean, you want to talk about effort and energy and just always showing up. Those swings did not let anyone down that day. And, you know, they don't get to go on every night, but I'm sure they were living because they got to be one cat in the morning, one cat in the afternoon, one cat in the night. So they got to try different tracks out, but it was cool to see your company that you grew so close with. And uh, yeah, I would love to go back. It was also now that you said that too, I'm thinking Tugger wears those gloves you could probably easily keep a Fitbit yeah. on underneath that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's. Uh, I hope someone does that one day. I can't, I can't even imagine. That's like seven hours of performing. Yeah, that, that day. Correct. Um, I sat out with my matinee and said, yeah. "I'm gonna enjoy this. <laughs> Get me some M and M's and a Coke." <laughs> I don't blame. I don't blame you. Um, I, I want to go back to uh, something you mentioned a little bit earlier, which is about some of the the character, the the brothers and parents and this and that. So mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of explore a little bit about what I, I think I've uncovered on Tugger. And I think you yeah. mentioned one is that old dude around him is your dad and yeah. Monk and um, McCavity are brothers. Mm-hmm. And that is that to me makes a lot of sense. I don't know if that one's been clearly stated, but it's definitely seems pretty much universally accepted. Of yeah. That's why Monk and Tugger kind of have a little back and forth of like, hey, here, here's the cl- class clown and the serious brother. The McCavity mm-hmm. one feels a little slightly different because there's that opens up a lot of very interesting like storylines of Demeter and Bomb and Tugger flirting yeah. with all. But there's two I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, which is yeah. one is is that potentially the relationship with Grizabella. Do you think that Grizabella is mm-hmm. your mom? Cool. You know, I never looked at it that way. Um, no, my instinct says no, but only because I never saw Grizabella and Old Dude together, not saying that that had to be the case. But no, I, I think there was a time where Grizz and Tugger were probably really tight. I think they got along because she's a glamour cat and he knows he's amazing at everything he does. Uh, I don't know if it was a Maybe it would have been a sibling. Maybe it would have been an aunt. I don't know that it would be a mom. Because, I don't know, I just remember that first time she comes out during Remark the Cat and Richard had even instructed me, he's like, get angry with her. And never never gave me a reason, but he said, just find a reason to be angry with her. And I always just felt a little bit of betrayment. So maybe maybe it's a mom thing. I don't know. This You just made me really go deep on that. I don't. I think that's the argument for it is, is that you're supposed yeah. to be like your animosity is like, were you abandoned? And left with right. us, with with old Deuteronomy as single dad, like she she ditched you at the peak of wow. you becoming. I kind of like that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of really like that a lot. I never, yeah, I don't know. That that could be a really cool way to play it if I ever get the chance to do it again. I've learned That's, that as I've recorded more of these, that I think I'm just influencing the future performances. Uh, as I, I think ask you these need questions. to direct. I think you need to direct one and come in with Richard and get the next production. Um, whenever the next production comes, I I'm I want to be called in as just a, a an expert person to just ask questions. Be like, okay, hey, Absolutely. do you think this is your mom? Do you think that they're you're together? Because this is the other yes. huge rumor, and there's a lot here, and I'm and I've heard some crazy stories about this one, but the relationship with Mistopheles. Okay, what did you, you what did you hear about it? Well, I'll start by saying if you 
read Kat's fan fiction, which I have unfortunately mm-hmm. done um, for this okay. podcast. It's 95% of the fan fiction is erotic yeah. Tugger Mustafa's fan fiction. Which, it's also, it's also know, a lot I, of graphic pictures that I've seen posted and shared. I actually have seen a couple. I've seen a couple. Yeah, actually, I was sent a couple of those when I was doing it. I will tell you, I have never encountered, never in my life, fans the way Cat has them. Um, For sure. And I will tell you. They're amazing. Showing up, amazing fans. Showing up to performances dressed in full cat. Yeah, they are, they, they are incredible. But there are some other like disturbing things that are out there that, and I, I don't want to say disturbing. It's like you get these almost pornographic drawings of Mistopheles and Tucker. I'm like, what are people doing with their spare time right now? Um, beautiful art. Don't get me wrong. Be- absolutely beautiful. But it's just, it's, you, it makes you look at your job in a different way. Um, and Mistopheles was a tricky one, you know, because Obviously, he's a little fabulous in his sparkle, sparkly outfit, and we love him. Um, but I always found it odd too that, well, like, I always questioned why is Tugger singing this song? He's popping up, he's presenting something fantastic, but I never, I don't know that I ever truly came to a reason of why am I singing this song? Why is Tugger the one to introduce this cat? Um, could he have been another brother? Could he have been just the best friend? Could he have been the the bisexual gay lover that Tugger wanted to experiment with? You know, who knows what that could be? Because I do think um, Tugger is very pansexual and will literally hump anything that's in his way, and that's that's he's okay with that. I just I never I I didn't ever fully lock in. I think it was more of a friend thing for me, especially because the guy Chaz Wolcott who played our Mistopheles. We had great chemistry on stage, genuinely loved being with him. And um, we just had fun during that number. And I, he was this incredible dancer. So I was more honored to get to introduce him. I, I never, I don't know if I ever thought of the, uh, I don't think we ever took it to like the sexual body language with each other, but totally an interesting take. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one that I think because of Tugger's fluid gender essentially you know he's just like he's just mm-hmm. seems like he's just horny like let's be honest like it doesn't matter yeah, all the time who or what all, all the time all cats doesn't matter that that then right. portrays onto other cats which is why if you like really dig into the cat's rumor mill or like who or if you like look at because these two cats are together or they're having this type of interaction maybe i can make a you know i can surmise some type of relationship there that's that's it. Tugger lends himself really well to a lot of those because of just the way yeah. because of his you know the, the way he interacts. But the Mustafa's one is is everywhere. It is like every single place. There's a lot to it to the point yeah. where it's so much out there. It seems like almost a universal truth, or it's just the one that everyone latched onto and decided to write. They really wanted to go for it. Yeah, it's you know, and now that I'm thinking about it too, it's it's one of those. Um, I think back to where I was in my life when I was doing cats and I was actually in my own journey of coming out. And so I think I may have even just been a little shy in playing up um, the sexual side with the male cats. But now I see it, you know, when I did it a year later, I started to see a little bit of it. And it, it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing about Tugger is you, he just, he kind of lives in this world that we all kind of wish we could live in now where we all just embrace one another and love who you love and do whatever you want. Do what makes you happy. It's my business, not yours, you know? Um, 
so yeah, I, I would be, again, if I could go back with the knowledge that we're now discussing, I think I could have a really interesting take on Tugger. I uh, I think that's what, again, makes this, this show fun in the sense. Yeah. I, I would love to hear, I mean, you, you know, you definitely mentioned the the Cats fans are, are <clears throat> crazy in a good way. Um, you know, they're, yeah. they're passionate. Did you, Very I'm passionate. curious to hear about the tour fans, because I, I know that there's, the, the Broadway revival had the junkyard and, and some of these, like this core mm-hmm. group of people that came a lot, but on tour, you're not in a city for that long. Um, what no. was, what was the, the fandom like on that? Was it mostly people who were like, I, I'm from Indiana and I always think about when the tours that come through Indiana, it's generally the people who have tickets have tickets to all the shows and they're yeah. going to come and they might walk out if they think it's the worst thing in the world, because but they're not going to like get rid of them or they might really embrace it and enjoy it. But it's mostly filled with that core audience. Was that the way with cats on most of your stops or was it a lot of the super fans that were not going show to show, but were like, Oh, I'm close to one. I'm definitely going to go find my way to see it. I think we had a good balance of, you know, season, season subscribers, um, people that were just seeing a show or, you know, going on a date, but there were definitely, we had a lot of the super fans did show up and I feel like the, the one of them showed up to at least six or seven different venues. I came as all several times on the road. Um, so I think, no, generally it was just your average, you know, audience, people that live in the city, they were coming out to see the show, but now and then you get a nice little surprise. And I will say, super fans seem to either come like opening night or they wait for the weekend when they can like dress up and go crazy and have a good time. Um, and I only use the word crazy with super fans because I'll never forget, on what, I think it was our last performance, we were in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So all the super fans had flown out. That was probably the most packed that we had had. And I remember there was somebody dressed as Victoria, the purely white cat in like the fifth or sixth row. And I always remember, you know, Tugger comes out and he's on top of the, well, at least in our, the original version was he comes out and he's on top of the oven. And you get that little, um, bum, 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 bum. And I'd always cock my head on uh, the final bum. And the white cat in the audience cocked her head with me. And from that moment on, I was like, she is in my head. Like literally... (laughs) Anything, anytime I looked in the audience, she was, her eyes were like on me and trying to imitate whatever my hands are. And I was like, can you just let me do my job? (laughs) You're not distracting me. (laughs) But, um, I appreciate it because I realized they really just wanted to be on stage dancing with us, but it did become distracting a couple of times. Um, just what, especially if you're showing up in an all white cat, um, but yeah, I mean, the audience embraced us. Some people would leave at intermission. Some people would leave in the middle of the show. Um, some people just want to stay and hear memory and they're disappointed at the end of act one because they think it's the big version and it's not like they always, that was always a letdown. Everyone's like, Oh, I thought we were getting memory earlier. It's the same show that you've seen or heard before. So no, it comes later. Um, but yeah, they were, <laughs> I love that you say that because I, I did not, I went in with, with no knowledge expectations or anything. And I knew memory was the one song I was going to recognize. And I was shocked yeah from almost every show I've seen. It's like, I, I thought that I was like, I thought that's the end. And so yeah. I was like, why are they singing this early? And then it, you early. Know, it's, it's a little memory and it's, you know, it's, yeah. now I, I, I understand that. Um, I, I, I would love to, I want to call this out just in case this person listens, but if you were that white cat in Bowling Green, Kentucky, please yeah. reach out to me. Um, and, and, and please reach form. out to me. And, and to Chris, we we would love to. Um, I just want to know who. And, and the thing was, I don't think they came to the stage door either. And I was frustrated, but at, now at this point, I'm like, 
you know what? They just wanted to be a part of it. And that's the other thing you have to remember is like the tribe is a much greater thing than just the 30 people on stage. Like cats has touched many people's lives for so many different reasons. And I hope if they're listening that you're not offended that I just called you out. It was just a, I should have been more in my own show rather than looking out into the audience, but I was truly trying to take it all in because it was our last show. So thank you for being there and being a part of that journey. I didn't mean to sound like I was angry about it. <laughs> no, I think they should be honored. Like that's like yeah. an incredibly memorable piece of yeah. the show. Like they were there, they dressed up, they put the effort in the time in. they came, Absolutely. they might've come from another city. Um, and it was, it was recognized. So I think that's funny. You know, yeah. what has it been? It's been multiple years later. Um, nine, nine years. Yeah. Nine years later. <laughs> nine years, nine lives. What? Also, I want to say this too. While we're talking about the super fans, I will tell you, some of these people would show up in these costumes that looked like they were made in our costume shop. Like they were that good. Well, there's a there are some Etsy uh, mm-hmm. stores that are are really really high end of yep. like very similar quality and stuff out there. And I think you know you can you can definitely if you want to. You can get a costume that's very similar. Yeah. You can get the tails customized. And then there's makeup yep. tutorials on for all the how to like go about <laughs> making the you know, make the makeup look. should literally be its own episode. <laughs> no, a conversation about makeup should be its own episode. But yes, there are I've seen these tutorials. I will and I just I won't give the full names because I don't want to disclose anything, but I remember there was a Mia and there was a Christine and they showed up in a different cat every time they came and looked flawless so if you guys are listening keep it up ladies that's that's awesome i i i love the commitment to it i mean we did a, a live recording at broadway con a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh pre-pandemic and and someone showed up as as a mistopheles and it was that's again awesome. so fun because it was like the costume yeah. was so well done and it was like really cool to see you know that that kind of fandom like i i appreciate yeah. that it's you know to me i as a sports fan i relate it's like people wear jerseys to games all the time it's that like uh-huh. it's the same thing yeah. in in my mind it is it absolutely is but for some reason when you're going to the theater think people think oh why are they dressed like a cat but no it absolutely is it's wearing your favorite team's jerseys they're obviously this show has impacted them away and they want to show their support so rock I, on i used to think that and then now that i've lived in new york for five plus years i I don't, I don't think about what I wear to the theater. It's not like, Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not the suit and tie crowd anymore. And I come from work and got tickets usually sometimes offered that day. And it's like, well, I'm coming in with whatever I have. And my, my current, my, my profession is not the most like need to be buttoned up suit and tie place. And so I'm in t-shirts and hoodies a lot and I've just, it's, it's there. So it's, uh, I'm glad to hear that theater has gone that way. My, my belief is, at least, and there's no judgment to you if you've ever done it without come in in at least jeans, at least wear jeans. It's it's the people that come in in like literally sweats from head to toe. And I don't want to say I'm offended. This is just me on my high horse because I'm always like theaters a night out. However, I also know what it's like to be out. And someone's like, hey, I got tickets. Do you want to go? Uh, yeah, I totally have been there in shorts and t-shirt before. And even then, I'm just like, oh, hi. Yeah. But I'm like, if you're coming and you know you're going to theater at least put on your nice pair of jeans. I don't care what you wear on top. Just wear your nice pair of jeans. <laughs> that is, uh, I, I definitely, I think there is still like, I personally kind of follow that same lines of like, I'm yeah. not going to, I don't necessarily need a button down every time, but I'm going to be in no. something at least somewhat respectful. But then I like sit down and, you know, being, I live near the theater. Oh, you want to be comfortable. Like, yeah. I've seen some, some tourists, some out of towners who are, who came with whatever they packed and maybe oh, didn't yeah. decide to show go to see a show until that day. Um, But it's been, it's been fun. I want to hear a little bit about 
What about the, did you ever, ever have any interactions, especially as Tugger with some of the subscription crowds or some of the ones that like probably didn't know what they were walking into. And you're, you're probably one of the early parts of the show. That's going to be eye opening in a good way or bad way for that person. Either deeply offend them. Yeah. I'm the fourth musical number. So you've got to, you have a general idea of what's going on. Right. We think. And then this guy comes out, this, this rock star cat. And so, yeah, it's, it's sexual, it's crude. It's, I don't care about anything. And then I get to go into the audience and I get to pick. Now, sometimes I would literally go for the person who's literally just living their best life and I can tell they want to be there. Other times I go for the person who looks miserable and I'm like, well, let's change it up. Let's change this up for them. Let's get them up and like shake out whatever they're in. And if they don't stand up, get the person next to them who I know is going to like just be a good sport because they're not. Um, there was a time, I think I went through a little phase where I started literally just walking across people on the, the chair arms. Um, and it was just to like get my butt in their face or shake the tail or like just, you know, hump the air in front of them. Sometimes you get the teenage girls that were so inspired that just wanted to, you know, dance. So you pick them because you want to give them that memory to hang on to because that's going to inspire them for years to come. Um, but yeah, I, I will say that as part of my job, that was what I looked forward to every night was connecting with that audience. And then, you know, if you've seen the original production, there's that moment with Tugger at the end with Bombay Arena where he kind of gets his, you know, stuff shoved back in his face. Um, but it becomes, they're in on his joke. They're in on his persona. And, um, you know, it, it did really, it sucked big time when somebody wouldn't participate. I remember once when I did it in Rhode Island theater by the sea, it was a, a subscriber, excuse me, a subscriber. And I went to pick her up and I didn't realize she was wearing a boot and she, she fell over and I was, thank God she laughed about it, but it was like, I was mortified. I had to pick her back up. I was late getting back up the stage. Um, and it became the joke that summer, but you just never know what you're going to get. But I try to go with somebody who I know that's either going to be a good sport or like if they need to pick me up then let's, let's get them up and get, you know, some new energy is restored. That's that's fun. Did you ever have any like besides the boot, like anybody that was really adamant? Like, no, I'm I'm not. not I'm not interested. Yeah. More so in Rhode Island when I did it at Theater by the Sea. Um, older crowd didn't want to stand up. Didn't want to. You know, it was hot. It wasn't an air conditioned theater. Um, on tour, no, I, I I don't remember anyone like specifically saying no. And I think because it was so large, a large audience, I could always find somebody else real fast. Um, because I'd also know that if, if I had had any bad experience, that also would have resonated in my head for the rest of the show. And I truly don't remember anyone ever saying no. So maybe they were all just enticed. I'm going to take it as a compliment. No one said no to me on tour. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's all. That's, that's great. I, I think that's like, again, what, what's such so fun about your character is you get that freedom and get that experience. Yeah. And as someone who doesn't, I would have played along because I'm not, you know, I, it would have been a, you know, unique. I also yeah. would have been, as you walk towards me, but like, please don't pick me, please don't pick me type of person. And you know what? I think I'm also good. Like if, if I can see someone's truly getting uncomfortable as I'm starting to walk to them and they do one of these or they look the other, like, I'm not going to do that because I do know not everyone likes being in the public eye. And I understand that that is some people's legitimate fear. If it was somebody who's like, no, nah, I don't want to. I'm like, get up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I would then pull them up. So, and I think they used to, I believe they turned my mic off at that point. So I could have that moment to be like, come on, 
please. Yeah. <laughs> My job. <laughs> That's uh, again, so fun. Um, let's do a little bit of rapid fire and then get to, sure. to my million dollar question. Um, yeah. So the first one I always love to hear is ignoring vocal range, gender, whatever. If you could just be any other cat, if you could just play one track um, one time, who would you want to perform as? I love Demeter. There's something really special about, there's something really, uh, her energy, the the mystery and curiosity of what she is. She's so frantic, yet she's got this sultry song and this, I also just loved our Madison Mitchell, who was our Demeter on tour, the way she played it. I, I, I don't know. There was just always something I was really intrigued in knowing more about that cat. And, um, yeah, there's something Demeter, Demeter and bomb. I would just think they're the two that are, the opposite of what Tugger was. So I want to do it. Yeah, that, that's fun. I, so <laughs> I, I did, I, I have a, an episode with Madison and Demeter such a, that is a backstory. Like that is a, yes. a very, very dark, wild yes. story for that character. And so I, I've always found, I love that song. It's probably my favorite mm-hmm. as I listen to now McCavity. Um, mm-hmm. But wow, if you really, if you do the exercise I do, which is trying to dig real deep into like the, the through line and the psyche of all these cats, like that's a dark one to, to go down. And what, what's sad is uh, with the way Madison played and the way I played, we never really spent time together. And anytime I'd go near her, Demeter would run away from Tugger. Rightfully so. You know, and if you know, I don't want to give any of that story away, but I'm also thinking I understand completely what, where you're at and what you're suggesting. Uh, it is dark. And so she would not want to be around Tugger. So I get it. Yeah. What is your, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Oh, uh, favorite cat. I mean, uh, I have a soft spot. My roommate on tour was our tumble Brutus and he was this itsy bitsy little like tiny tumbler. I love tumble. I love, um, uh, Demeter and bomb. I, I loved, I love. I went back and forth with Grizz. I love Grizz for what she stands for and what she represents. Excuse me. Um, I think my favorite, though, if I had to pick one, I think I'd actually go Skimble Shanks. Skimble Shanks. He just. I every time that music started, I love the makeup plot. I love the costume. I love the Skimble Shanks uh, vest. Yeah, there was something really just. And maybe I also knew that I was going to be going home soon after that number. So it was <laughs> like I, I really took a lot of joy. From Skimble Shanks' character, my least favorite, and I hate to say this because our two, and it's not anything personal, obviously. I really didn't love um, Mungo and Rump. I think it's the song; it just makes me feel uneasy. Uh, also, they're they're bandits, so they're constantly <laughs> stealing things. Um, but then I look at somebody like Alonzo, and I'm like, "Why are you here? You can't sit with us. Like, who are you?" Yeah. Um, I love the choices. I, the Mungo Jerry and Rumpel teaser is all that was stuck in my head the first time I saw the show. That's all well, I remember. It, is, it, it was it, like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, yeah it stick. was catchy. It's catchy. Maybe that's why I don't like them because um, I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is a good lead in. What well, favorite song from the show? Favorite song. Favorite song. Oh, I want to uh, McCavity. McCavity, love it. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is, uh, I've been asking this question I'm, and I'm, I was trying to think back from this for you too, but I, I've been asking people who, which cat they think is going to be thriving in the era of when you performed. So that would be mm-hmm. the or to mid 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 2000s, yeah. And then which cat would be thriving now? So personality wise, 
which cat do you think they would be in their element in the years you were on tour? And then which cat would be in their element in 2021? Mm, I think Tugger was definitely in his element, truly. And I'm not saying that just because I did it, but it was so where I was in my life, what was happening in the world. I think Tugger was thriving in 2011, 2012. Um, now, I feel like... Um, I think old Deuteronomy is probably just thriving right now. He's sitting back and being like, what have y'all done? What have you all done to this world that I've created for you? Um, and he's just sitting back shaking his head, you know, I, at least uh, in the last year, I would say. Um, I'll be interested to see like how the mood shifts when things are fully back open and, and we're back to our regular schedule programming. Um, yeah, I could see like an old dude or a, uh, Maybe even like a, a Jelly Lorem. The, the two adult figures come to my mind right now, just shaking their heads and being in kind of appalled and disbelief at what happened in the last year. <laughs> I yeah, I, everyone answers it so differently, and it's always such a fun way to think about it. Um, I think those are great answers. I, the 2010 11 one was really hard to think back of like what was happening then, and I think Tugger's, yeah. Tugger was kind of where my head went. I also felt it felt very. Um, lot of pop which is why like I, for some reason that's what i remember from that era more than anything yeah and so that's why it felt maybe the original grizabella you know not mm -hmm. what we get come back yeah. would be would be my thought there but um 2000 yeah. was, that was a hard one to think about the 10 years ago who would have who have done that well and i i think i just went like where i am per, like i had just graduated it was my first gig nothing was stopping me so i was as Tugger, I felt like I was thriving, but I also felt like that cat helped me live a little bit in that period yeah. and just embrace. Um, and to be honest, like I found the best part of myself on that tour. So it was, he gave me a, a bigger gift and uh, an unapologetic gift. So I, that's why I chose Tugger. Love it. So yeah. my million dollar question. Um, yeah. I've argued at length that I don't think Grizabella was the right Jellicle choice. So I always love to hear, you know, do you... You know, if you get free reign and you're picking, mm -hmm. if you're old Deuteronomy, are you picking Grizabella? Um, if not, who are you picking and why? I love that Grizabella was picked. I understand why she was picked. I loved in, in our rehearsal process that we all had to find a reason. And we never shared it, but we had to find a reason to pick Grizabella. And so that became very personal as well. However, the moment where I fell in love with cats, and what's ironic is our Grizabella was originally our Jelly Laura the year that I was going on tour. And I remember being in rehearsal the one year we had, a, we had a, our actress playing Grizz had a, a little bit of an issue with height. So we had to reconfigure some stuff. So our Jelly Laura ended up moving over into our Grizz spot. However, Jelly that I was watching in rehearsal and it was the one moment that I had actually chosen to be present. And I remember we were singing Gus, um, right before girl tiger, but she was doing the whole Gus is a cat. And I just started watching Melissa sing with Chris Sadoli, who was our Gus. And I fell in love with the show. I don't know what it was that made me pick it. I don't know what it was that her gentleness, the way she's taking care of him, the way Chris played and he, he, he shook, but I really feel for Gus. And I will tell you, if I stop and listen to that soundtrack, Gus is the only song that makes me cry. And I think this is where I go with it, though. If, 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 I, if Grizz didn't get picked, I think Gus would have been picked. But now what's happening to Gus? Because I don't think he's making it another year to the ball. 
that's the million dollar Gus question is, does he have another mm-hmm. life to live? And the Grizzabelle argument is that he doesn't and, mm-hmm. or he doesn't care to anymore and he's ready to yeah. be done. He doesn't yeah. need to be reborn. Yeah. I think Gus is the most common argument and um, yeah. against Grizzabella, which makes sense. You know, it's like, yeah. it's a fulfilling life. And there's just life. something, I, I've had a very close relationship with my grandparents my whole life. And so um, I think there's something very um, grandparental about Gus and everyone just watches him. And it's the one moment in the show where we all just stop and listen besides memory. Like it's the only time up until that point that we all stop and listen to what's happening and what's being told. Um, so whether it's just the elderly, whether it's, you know, the relationship that maybe he is the grandfather of all these cats and kittens. Um, yeah. And I genuinely just feel so bad for him at that, at the end of that song, even after Grout Tiger and it comes back to Gus the Theater Cat, it breaks and shatters my heart and he just wanders off and you're like, Oh, are we going to see him again? <laughs> yeah. Next year. Who knows? It, it yeah. is. It's, it's, it's exactly right. It's the, the first time I saw it and I, and I, it felt like, my grandfather telling me war stories, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's like that type of post dinner. He's got his drink and going to tell you those things. And, you know, I was close to my grandparents and they were alive and it's the same time. It felt that way. And so I think that that is always why there's a lot of grab, like a lot of gravitation to, to that. If you've had those experiences, especially. Yeah. Um, but you well, wait, now that Isabel, I want to know your reason why. My reason was, um, I, I mean, I think I remember it being, pretty pretty basic in the sense but just that tugger had to get over himself tugger wanted to be the cat because he thinks he deserves everything but whether she's his mother whether it's an aunt whether it's a friend he had this bond with her and he wants to feel it again but it's more envy it's more envy that she got out she got to go do what she wanted it didn't work out for her but tugger feels like he's still stuck in this world and trying to be the impressive cat where he hasn't really left his norm she got to she got thrown back She's tattered. Um, so it became this reason of just like, oh, she deserves the second chance. Like, let us find this relationship that we had before. Definitely not lovers. It was never a loving, um, well, maybe it was, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it was Tugger's first real love. And she said, I'm out and I'm out to go <laughs> become a glamour cat. You know, could have played this anyway. But my reason was just like, oh, she deserves, like she's proven, she's begging. Like she's as desperate as they come right now. Because if you think about it, aside from Gus, who's literally just, I could really use this, like I'm going to die. Yeah. No one else is really begging for it. Well, yeah. I mean, there's McCavity kind of in his own roundabout way. I, But I don't even count him. Like I don't, he's okay. never going to, no one liked him. You know what I mean? Like I, I and I, I appreciate you saying that. It just, in my mind, he was never part of it. You know what I mean? Like we all just, he's banned. He's never going to be back in. Obviously he thinks he's entitled and deserving, but um, I don't think anyone would ever opt for him. And I definitely don't think old Deuteronomy would have ever chosen him. Yeah. It's the, you know, he's not picking that son for sure. Yeah. You were, you were going to ask said me something. something. Yeah. No, cause you brought up, I brought up the Gus and then you had asked earlier who my, um, least favorite was. And I actually think I'm changing that because you know who, and I think it might be the song. Bustifer used to annoy the hell out of me. I don't know what it was. Just his pompous attitude and, righteousness i just oh i wanted to like roll him off the stage he is yeah yeah he's it is got it's gus too you know it's like they play it's right it's yeah. usually bus gus right, right. um I, it's 
it's the one part of the show that I don't understand. Like, doesn't really fit. The more I've like analyzed it, comes out show. of nowhere. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's this rich guy out of nowhere who comes in and talks about going to gentlemen's clubs and eating a bunch of stuff. And I, I never, as I've tried to make my own through line, that's one I don't really mm-hmm. get. Now I've I've forced it's- it in a couple ways with like. I can get some love triangles out of some friendships with Grizabella and Joey Lorem and you yeah. can get some other interesting pieces of like, if you think McCavities and the Mungo and, and Rump are a crime family, I think he might be, he might be the, the fun. He might be the money. He might be funding it. It's mm-hmm. like, there's some ways to tie him he's, in. He's like the godfather. Feel, <laughs> yeah. It does feel like a very interesting choice. And, um, for the show and he never really feels like he's actually, I've never heard anybody make, um, a real, a real case for him. Um, yeah. The, the one case I had heard was someone said that he's a strain on the, the Jellicle tribes, uh, like economically and socially and just like in terms of sustainability. And so he needs to go, yeah. but like no one's made a, an actual argument for like, Oh, he deserves to be reborn. It's just like, yeah. he's there. Well, and he's also there and then gone and we never see him again. So it's like, but I, I, th- I remember being bothered because I love, and it was obviously brilliant choices by the actor being made, but I hated Bustifer yet loved Gus. I enjoyed Growl Tiger, but hated Bustifer. Like it was just, <laughs> I think the way that role comes across and the song is, it's just that, you know, it doesn't sound like anything else in the show. So I think I just became very against the Bustifer regime. Well, and it's, it's, it is really funny you say that because my answer to this question has always been Peter. And I don't think Peter oh. was in your production though, but Peter was the ensemble cat that is also Bus Gus and Peter mm-hmm. in the, the revival. And I was just mm-hmm. like, it's a cat that just doesn't seem it's there to be a dance, a body. It's a body mm-hmm. for the dance number. But um, well, that's the same uh, for like Electra and isn't there an et cetera too at some yep. point? Like there's, there's brand. And I mean, I know technically Tugger in his basic form is Bill Bailey. Like yep. that's what I was told at least. So I, but I also didn't really have much time to even channel that as a different character. Cause I was like, do the opening, run off and get in your specialty. So I was just like, <laughs> let's just get through the opening. Yeah. Um, well, this has been fun. I, I my, my last okay. question is always just how can we find you on social media and stay in touch? Yeah, sure. I'd appreciate the support and love. Uh, I'm on Instagram at CJ Stevens, uh, 421. So it's at CJ S T E V E N S 421, uh, on Facebook as Chris Stevens. I'm probably deleting my Facebook in the soon future because it's just Instagram's the way to go. So awesome. Well, this has been super fun. I've loved hearing and learning some stuff from you and getting to hear about your, your performances and, and just relive some tugger questions and thoughts and hopefully, you know, to, to do tugger again. And and you've got some new, new material. You really scoop me with that Grizabella mom thing. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to explore that the next time I get the chance to, if there's a, if there's a chance. So I appreciate your, uh, your theories. I, and I will definitely use them if I get the opportunity. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.